Once again, welcome to St. Paul's. If, you, um, if you're a guest or visiting us this morning, please come back. We're not going to call you randomly out of the audience to pray most of the time. Um, you should never know. Just kidding. We won't do it. Um, so we practiced this earlier. I, I think we should do it again. There were some folks who weren't here. I, let's see if you remember. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Very good. Good job. So, I, I, I am just thrilled and, and privileged and honored to be here with you all this morning, this Easter morning, to, to talk to you about Jesus, to talk to you about the resurrection. It, it is my blessing um, and honor to do this. And so, why don't we just jump right into it? We're going to look at Mark's gospel and see Mark's account of the resurrection, and we're going to see three things that... that, that First, we'll see our lives, who we are outside of Jesus, outside of his resurrection. What does that look like? What is that to us? And the second thing that we will see is, what does this resurrection mean? What does it mean for Jesus? What did he do? What was accomplished? And finally, we'll look at, what are we going to do about it? How is this going to affect our lives? So, so. What are we like now? What are we like? Or what does Jesus happen? What happens in the resurrection? And what are we going to do about it? So let's get started. Mark chapter 16 verses 1 to 3. If you have a Bible or a, um, a phone or a tablet or whatever, you can pull it out. No texting or angry birds, but um, <laughs> love for you to read along with us. So and it's up here on the screen too. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him, talking about Jesus. And very early on, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? One thing we've got to realize is, you know, we go from, if you don't, if you don't make it to Holy Week services, what, what happens is, is you go from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday, and it's like nothing happened sometimes. But something happened. Jesus Christ was, was crucified. He died on the cross. And, and we have to understand what these women were thinking and feeling. And there's another group of people there conspicuously absent from this text. That is the disciples. Where were they? What were they thinking and feeling? We know from... From other Gospels, Mark doesn't tell us anything about the disciples. Uh, Peter denies Jesus, and we never hear from them again. We know from other Gospels that they were holed up in a room somewhere. The door was closed and locked and locked again, and they were very afraid. And we have these bold women who stuck with Jesus, who waited with Him at the foot of the cross, and now they are approaching His tomb, and they want to anoint Him with spices one final act of love for this man that they followed for so long. What were they thinking? What were they feeling? These, well, we've got to see this. These disciples, these women had built their lives around Jesus. Had, had, they found their identity in Him. Okay, so Peter. Let's think about Peter. Okay, Peter's job was to go fishing all day. That's what he did. He went fishing all day. Is there a better job than that? No. Maybe this one, but, but no, there's not. He went fishing all day, and yet 
He left everything. Jesus came to him and said, said Peter, follow me. And he, le- he left his boat sitting on the beach so that he could follow Jesus. And now Jesus is dead. What is he thinking? Or Mary, the mother of Jesus. Remember Christmas just a few short months ago and all those promises that she heard, all those promises she was given. One that sticks in mind in Luke's gospel is that, that this child that she's going to bear is, is going to be the king, that his kingdom will never end. And she's just finished watching her son die on a cross. What is she thinking? Or Mary Magdalene, the, the, the prostitute, the outcast who found Jesus and found a love that she had never known before. What is she thinking as she goes to prepare that body? Um, the great author C.S. Lewis tries to paint us this picture in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You might remember Aslan, he was, he was killed on the stone table and Susan and Lucy stayed with him while he was, while he was dead, and they stayed with him through the night. And um, well, C.S. Lewis writes this to describe that scene. I hope no one who reads this book has been quite as miserable as Susan and Lucy were that night. But if you have been... If you've been up all night and cried till you have no more tears left in you, you will know that there comes in the end a sort of quietness. You feel as if nothing was ever going to happen again. That was funny. (laughs) You feel as if nothing was ever going to happen again. Surely these women felt this way. After watching their Lord and Savior die on the cross, what what was going to happen? Have you felt that way before? Have you been there? Have you been standing in that spot where you had nowhere to go? And nowhere to turn. That's where those women were. And if you haven't been there, you will. I'm telling you, you'll be there one day. And what are you, how are you going to respond to that? What are you going to do? These, these women, these disciples, they loved Jesus. They loved him. And they didn't know what to do. And, and so they were, they were searching. They were looking. The, the disciples were, I don't know where they were looking. They were just scared. And these women, they're looking for Jesus in the tomb, and they go to the tomb, and he's not, he's not there. They're looking in the wrong spot. And my question for you this morning is, where are you looking? Most of us are looking for stuff. Houses, cars, boats, more and more and more money, stuff. Some of us are looking in sports. I've got to be better and stronger and faster. Some of us are looking in in success. I've got to get that next job. And then you get it. And how does that feel? 
Well, it feels like you need another one and another one. And then you're at the top. And then, then how, how's life up there? We're looking and looking and we're looking in all the wrong places. You may have seen this story. I follow ESPN.com, and so occasionally they have, they have stories up there. And this one is not particularly newsworthy, but anyhow, Warren Sapp, are you all familiar with him? He was this big, giant sort of uh, defensive lineman. He was very, very good, um, and he made a lot of money. He won a, a college national championship. He won an NFL Super Bowl um, he made more than money than you and I could probably ever dream of. And, and the amazing thing is he just filed for bankruptcy. $6.7 million in the hole. It is amazing to me. And it's, it's very sad. I tell you that story not to pick on him, but just because it's sad. It's just an example of, of somebody seeking something in his life and spending and spending and spending and, and I'm guessing not finding it. Is that you? Whether it's money or or whatever it is, is that you this morning? Are you looking and searching and not finding it? How's that going? Is it working out? Not so much? And so these women women are coming to, to, to the tomb to see Jesus, and, and this, is, this is kind of an aside, but this is how, this kind of, to me, illustrates the depth of their despair. So, so they buy these spices, I'm sure they're not cheap, they're risking their lives to go see Jesus, and I'm sure he doesn't smell very good at this point, and, and they're getting there, and they're thinking, well, there's a big rock in the way, there's a big boulder, how are we going to move that? Who's going to take it away from us? They, they hadn't even considered how they were going to get in the tomb. So we read on, verse 4. And looking up, they saw that the tomb had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. This is um, the imagery of an angel. This is an angel sitting in the tomb, so they were alarmed. I don't blame them. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. And then these are the words that change history. He is risen. He is not here. He is risen. He is not here. Luke's gospel puts it very bluntly. The um, angel says to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is risen. He is not here. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm going to challenge some of you because you're probably thinking, um, well, why should I believe this? Why should I believe this? Well, well, there's a bunch of reasons, and we can talk about it later if you want to. But, but here's one thing that you need to consider. In those days, women had no status. No status, no say, you know, they couldn't testify in court, so what they said didn't really matter. So why in the world would Mark make up a story where his primary eyewitnesses are women? Okay? He's not making this up. The resurrection happened. It is real. And and when we come to terms with that, it is life 
changing. What does this mean? What does it mean for, for Jesus? Well, one thing among many, one thing that I want to talk about this morning is it validates everything that Jesus has ever said and everything that Jesus has ever done. It validates it. It, it, it gives it meaning. It gives it purpose. It makes it true. Think about it this way. In, in those days, um, before Jesus died and, and before he was born and after he died, there, were, there was a lot, of, a lot of messiahs for the Jewish people. There were a lot of people claiming to be the savior of the people of Israel. The people of Israel are those folks you read about in the Old Testament, and they were looking for a savior. And, and plenty of people said, I'm that savior. And what happened to all of them? Well, they all died. Some were, were crucified. Some were, were killed in other ways. Others were, they died in an insurrection leading a, a revolt against the Roman government. But the fact of the matter is they all died. And nobody's talking about what they taught. Nobody's talking about what they said. Nobody's talking about their followers. Nobody's standing up here and preaching about them. Except for me. But I'm not. I'm preaching about Jesus. And so here's, here's the point. If Jesus, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then he'd just be like them. He wouldn't matter. What he taught wouldn't matter. Okay, if Jesus hadn't been read, raised from the dead, who would think this is a good teaching? He says in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if someone hits you in this cheek, turn the other cheek and let him hit you here. Who does that? That's not a good teaching if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. He says, follow me. Where is that going to take you? If you follow Jesus, it's going to take you to the cross. That's not a good teaching if that's where it ends. But he is risen. He is risen. So everything he said... Everything he did has been affirmed by God. The world, the world looked at Jesus and said no. Looked at Jesus and said no, and we nailed him to the cross. God looked at Jesus, and God said yes. And God raised him from the dead. So everything Jesus said, you know, I forgive you your sins. Jesus claimed to be God. I am God. Everything that Jesus said, God affirmed. He affirmed it. Let's, let's go on. Um, verse 6. Back, okay. And Jesus, uh, so, so what does this mean? What, where are we going to go with this? What are we going to do about it? We're going to do about this resurrection. Verse 6, And and he said to them, the angel said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples that, and Peter, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Verse 8, and they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. I'm going to tackle that last verse for just a second. They obviously said something to someone. 
And so we don't know exactly what happened. But the other Gospels tell us that, that Jesus met these women on the road. And then they went and they told the disciples that not only they'd seen the angel, but they'd seen Jesus himself. And, 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 but this is what I want to look at is, is verse 7. This statement is astonishing. It is astonishing. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. Do you remember what those disciples did? The Last Supper, Jesus said, um, in a little bit, you are all going to deny me. You're going to run away. And they said, oh, no, we would never do that. And Jesus said, well, yeah, you will. Actually, Peter, um, <clears throat> you're going to do it. You're going to do it three times. And Peter says, no, Lord. And, and, and Jesus says, well, just wait. And sure enough, three times Peter denies his Lord. Three times. The last time, you, you felt this way. You felt this way. Um, people keep asking you the same question. Don't you know him? 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 I do not know him! Is what Peter said. Totally rejected his Lord and Savior. And so, what is astonishing about this? Uh, verse 7, Jesus, you know, he, he could have said this. He could have said, yeah, you tell those disciples I'm alive and they better get their behinds to Galilee because I got something to say to them. He could have said that. He had every right to say that. He could have said, go find me some new disciples. I'm starting over. You know, he could, have, he could have been even tender and compassionate. You know, tell the disciples, come meet me in Galilee. We're going to go over this thing again. I want to talk to them and forgive them. He could have said that. But the, the, the amazing thing to me is not what, what the message says. It's what the message doesn't say. The message doesn't say anything about their deserting him. It says nothing absolutely nothing. He has simply forgiven them and forgotten them and said, meet me in the Galilee. We have lots of work to do. That's his message. It is amazing the depth of this forgiveness. Just, just absolutely astounding to me. And he's saying it to us. I forgive you. We'll come back to that. Where's Noria? Okay. So, what are we going to do about this? We, we, there's two, two things that we need to consider. Actually, just one thing. One thing to consider. You're either in this camp or you're in this camp. You believe in the resurrection. Most of you, I'm guessing, believe in the resurrection. You're here. It's a Sunday morning. It's very nice outside. There's lots of other more interesting things you could be doing. But you're here. So I'm guessing you, you somehow believe. And so here's what you need to hear. Here's what you need to listen to. If you believe in the resurrection, a lukewarm response, a lukewarm response to Jesus Christ is unreasonable. It is illogical. It is simply absurd. It is absurd to look at Jesus and think, oh, he's a great Teacher, it is absurd. You can't say that. You can't, you can't look at Jesus and say, wow, he's an interesting guy. You can't look at Jesus 
and say, yeah, you know, Sunday mornings, I'll follow Jesus. I'll have a, a faithful Sunday morning faith. He is the Lord of the universe. He has, if this is true, okay, listen to me. If this is true, if he is raised from the dead, then he is the Lord of your life. You cannot simply be okay with that. He's not your co-pilot, okay? He's driving the car, if you believe. And so, so here's what John Stott says about this. John Stott is a, um, was a, a British preacher and theologian, a, a, a cool dude all around. And, and he said this. He said, in the Gospels, there are only three responses to Jesus Christ. There's only three. You have three options. You can run away from him as fast as you can. You can try to kill him. Or you can worship him. You can run away. You can try to kill him. Those are valid responses. Or you can worship him. But you cannot say he's an interesting man or a good teacher or have a Sunday morning faith. He has claimed every square inch of your life. Are you going to let him have it? The other um, choice, the other takeaway this morning would be for those, um, maybe, maybe you don't believe, maybe you're here um, hearing this message for the first time. This message of grace and forgiveness and redemption. And so you've come, maybe you've come with a lot on your shoulders. Now, okay. We all look very nice this morning. It's our Easter clothes. I got my Easter stole on. I have my Easter pants under here. But let's put that down for just a second. Okay? Let, let's, let's put that down and, and, and say, why are we here? What is there? What are you looking for and searching for? Okay? Let, let's, let's put down the, the, the niceties of this day and, and get to the heart. What is it? That is defining your life. Where are you looking for your identity? Is it in money or power or women or men? What, what, what is it? Because it's not going well for you and you know it. And, and here's Jesus. Okay, I have five kids. And as a parent, um, I, I firmly believe that, that you you really can see the depth of human sin in parenting. But here's the deal. It's not their sin. It's my sin. Okay? You know what you're thinking in your heart. But at the same time, you can see the height of grace. The height of grace. I, this is um, this new job is, is, well, it's not that new anymore. I've been here over a year, but... But it's different from my life in seminary or from my life as an engineer a, a few years before that. Because, you know, then I was home at 5 o'clock, home at 6 o'clock. It was right on the money. And, and so this is a bit different. I'm, I'm home later. I miss bedtime sometimes. I go out of town more often. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But my, but my children had every right to, to welcome me back as long as I had gifts for them. They would have every right to welcome me back as long as I tried to earn it, you know. Um, but they don't. I come home, and there's often signs on the door. Welcome home, Daddy. We love you. 
I open, I open the door, and there's little ones. They're running at me like this. And so if you haven't heard anything else I said this morning, hear this. Jesus Christ is standing at the door. Welcome home. You don't have to prove it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to justify yourself anymore. Welcome home. Maybe, maybe that's touched your heart. I don't know. Um, if that's touched your heart, let, let's do a couple things. We're going to pray in just a second. But, but if you pray with me in your heart this prayer that I'm about to pray, maybe, you know, you've got a, um, a Sunday news and it's got something on it with a connect card and, and it has a side where you can fill out information about yourself. And just make a note of that on there. Just make a note saying, I, I've met Jesus again or for the first time. I'm not going to call you. I, I mean, I can, but I'm not going to. I want to pray for you. I want to invite you into a church community somewhere. It doesn't have to be a St. Paul's. Um, but I want you to know the power of the resurrection. So maybe, maybe if you want to, you can pray this prayer with me. Um, let's pray. Lord, I, I come before you as a sinful person, somebody who is um, who's seeking my identity on my own terms, who's not seeking you, who's looking in all the wrong places. And I repent of that, I turn away from that, and I turn to you, Lord Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I give you all of me. And I ask your forgiveness. I pray that I would be filled with your Holy Spirit so that I would know you more dearly and more closely. And Lord Jesus, I just I pray for this whole congregation that they would experience the power of your Holy Spirit, that, that this would be a people that would leave this building proclaiming your resurrection. Alleluia, he is risen. That we would be a people who change the world for you. Amen.